What is this great conversation you're about to hear? Hello, everyone. This is W, host of the High Art on the Edge page. I'm an online event planner that supports artists' work from all over the world. They create the product. I help organize and execute a memorable event on social media for their fans, family members, and friends. In addition, I host a feature called Surprise, where online friends and I discuss the impact of an artist or band's work. We try to bring in special guests who have worked with the artists under the microscope to share a few stories. It's a rockin' good time. What do Duffy, Super Fairy Animals, and Catatonia all have in common? They come from the great place of Cardiff, the biggest city in beautiful Wales. But did you also know that Andy Bell, the multi-talented musician, also hails from that beautiful part of the world? You may be familiar with his vocal and guitar wizardry for the band Ride, strong bass punch with Oasis, and solo work as himself, and under another moniker, Glock, and of course a side project with Masal. In today's conversation with DJ Yogi, we share some of our favorite Andy Bell moments that directly tie to our big essential question, why is Andy Bell the master of the one-two punch when it comes to making music? In addition, stick around for my extremely special conversation with Al Johnson and Oslin Shimshek. They are known as Masal and worked quite extensively with Andy on an album called Tidal Love Numbers, a must-listen. Wait until you hear some of their stories. So, grab yourself a drink, have a seat, sit back, and enjoy our conversation about an influential and admired artist. Andy Bell is a master of pushing the sound waves to glorious frequencies. Get ready to smile. Yeah. everyone this is w host of the high art on the edge page welcome to another surprise event today's focus we are going to shine a beautiful bright spotlight on a musician that has a great impact on the music world of course we're talking about andy bell from ride and we're going to explore his unique capabilities in creating melodies, harmonies, electronic sounds, you name it. To do that, I'm gonna bring in a very special guest who I've gotten to know quite well over the past year. His name is DJ Yogi. Yogi, how are you? I'm good, yeah. How are you, William? I'm doing quite well. You know, I'm super excited for this event because I remember messaging you a long time ago and saying, hey, I have this idea. Yeah. Let's kind of explore Andy's music because I know you're a big fan of his. Um, and that seemed like months, and now we've arrived, and I'm super excited to unearth and unpack our opinions on his work. Before we get started, uh, can you just give us a little update on how you're doing? How's the, any new DJ gigs coming up? Anything you want to share? Yeah. Um... Well, just the other week, I had my first DJ set down in Edinburgh for um, film school. So, local guys to you um, from the Bay Area, well, now located in LA. So, they're touring their seventh album. And um, the album artwork, the photograph for the cover, is a picture that I took. So, they invited me down to DJ. So, yeah, done that. And uh, I've got my Like a Daydream own DJ set here in Aberdeen so my next one I just started promoting it this weekend uh, and getting the posters hopefully the next few weeks the next one's on the 18th of 
November. So Wonderful. yeah, and I've got a DJ set this this Thursday coming um, <laughs> with a, with a, an artist called Glock. <laughs> Very nice. Very yeah. Nice. So I'm the I'm the support act. Yeah. But just in case people don't know your DJing, uh, your passion for DJing, just give us a quick little um, history and how you got in, involved with DJing work. Well, believe it or not, when I started DJing roughly about 1994, it was techno that I played. But I was like the only guy in those clubs wearing indie bands. And then I broke away around about 96 um, and started doing an indie night in a venue called Coffee Drummonds. And this is where I'm DJing, but I'm back there DJing. Uh, this is, I think, my fourth period of DJing there. So, yeah, um, so I started off with techno and hanging about with other DJs. And then, yeah, started doing my indie shoegaze nights. Um, but I've started doing some techno nights over the last year. I've started doing a lot more dancier stuff electronica and minimal techno but shoegaze is my thing that's that's mainly my thing now that's kind of your moniker right you're that's right. what you kind of branded yourself so what is it about shoegaze music that speaks to you then <laughs> the, um, the way that it's just a wall of sound and you can't really understand what the singers are saying because it's so noisy and it slaps you in the face it just excites me I mean, there's so much different kind of styles of shoegaze. Um, you've got your dream pop, which can be a lot more female vocals, really ethereal. Um, I've always said that shoegaze was invented in Scotland by two by two bands who founded in 1983. So you've got Cocteau Twins, which is your dream pop, and then the Jesus and Mary Chain, which is a wall of sound, Lots of reverb feedback. Take that two sounds together, and that shoegaze. So yeah. Do you actually know um, who actually coined the term shoegaze? Do you know who was responsible for that? It was a music journalist back in I think '91, um, and I can't remember male or female, but it was written that looking at the stage and the guitarists, they just seemed to be looking down at their shoes and that was it, the, the term came, the shoegaze, because of their effects but uh, pedals that they had and just the way that they just, well, cut the effect and went bang and stared at their shoes. So that, yeah, that was it. But yeah, a journalist, a music journalist. So I want to know from you, when did Andy Bell's work begin to impact the way you listen to music? Well, I got into Ride in 1990 and started releasing, uh, well, their first EP, Ride EP. Um, I think that was January 1990. There was a Saturday mornings, there used to be a music TV programme here in the UK called The Chart Show. And it wasn't every... Saturday that would have the indie chart, like indie, then there'd maybe dance chart, and then there'd be metal chart. But I remember being the indie one, and um, this day, I can't remember, it was like Happy Mondays, Primal Scream, stuff like that. Um, 
Newcastle to Mark Daffodils. So quite a big kind of Manchester, Manchester scene, all the baggy stuff. And then Ride came about with Chelsea Girl and was like, whoa, what's this sound? <laughs> you know, this is different. Even though I, I, I was in like my bloody Valentine prior to that. Um, but yeah, that's right. Ride just had that different sound, that rawness. And with Andy and Mark Gardner, the way that they sing together, the harmonies, just perfect. You know, just, yeah, you kind of melt into it. <laughs> and we'll get into that a little bit later. So what was your first ride concert? Do you remember? My first one. Unfortunately, I, I, I didn't see them back in the day because I was just that bit too young. But they did play Aberdeen, I think, in 92 or 93 when um, Going Blank Again came out. And a young band from Wigan called Verve at the time, <laughs> they, support, they supported them. Um, but yeah, I, I unfortunately I didn't live in the city at the time. I lived about sixty miles north, and yeah, I was just I wasn't eighteen, and yeah, so I just missed him. But my my first, believe it or not, my first time seeing Ride Live was when they reformed. Uh, so what was that? Two thousand and fifteen, they played the Battlelands. So yeah, for the Weather Diary store, um, this was before they released that. No, before that, okay. Yeah, so yeah. it was just it was the, there was no new material played live. Oh, yeah. sure. And what the biggest surprise was, it opened with Mousetrap. Oh my goodness! And I was like, what? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. You know, that was a slap in the face. We're yeah. you know? that, so, that is a juggernaut of a tune. So that's yeah, a great. Right? Oh man. Um. Okay. So I want to ask you this kind of a bigger essential question. In exploring Andy's work with his bands and his solo work, there's something I've come up with and he's kind of a master of the one-two punch. And what I mean by that is the, the music, the melodies, right? Or the music and the vocal work. Yeah. Well, let's explore that question a little bit. And what we're going to do, um, we're going to share songs uh, and talk about them a little bit songs that have kind of had an impact on the way we listen to Andy's work. And these are just our opinions. Um, so I want to start with you, Yogi. Uh, give us the song that um, you'd like to share your appreciation respect for. I would say off of this album, Nowhere, the, the ninth track, um, Vapor Trail which Andy sings. He actually starts it with the guitar and he sings the whole song. Um, it's a perfect ending to the album. And it's just, it's one of those hands in the air moment tunes. It's quite, it's really iconic. So it's more like, it's like an anthem. And even the crowds get involved and do the na-na bits at the end. Um, so yeah, that's pretty, pretty big from the debut album. So I'm going to go, and in my notes right here, boom. And I know it's kind of an easy one to go to, but you have to give props where props are due, right? Yeah. And when you have a song like Paper Trail that has become anthemic all across the world, yeah, you, you experience that in a live setting, you have to appreciate the, even though it is probably their most popular song, yeah. It's for a good reason, right? 
And for me, that song does several things. One, it reminds me how strikingly beautiful it is. Yeah. Two, it takes me back to when I first saw them many moons ago in San Francisco. And it's just kind of a, a rear view mirror of this feeling I had when I was much younger, this kind of lost feeling. And that song has this romantic appeal to it. Yeah, definitely. Always had me feeling safe and warm, yeah. even when my life was very turbulent. And I saved the turbulent lifestyle for when the tempos changed in their other songs. So that song always grounded me, but always kind of put me up in the clouds. Does that make any sense? Oh, definitely. It does. It like it 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 takes arms around you. It gives you the the big cuddle, and it puts you in a bubble. And yeah. I don't know if you've heard, but it's, it has been covered by some artists. And there's a an American lady. Um, I have met her. Uh, she played here in Aberdeen. Um, forget her first name but she goes by the name of trespassers william and she she covered it it was used in a tv advert as well it's gorgeous it is beautiful yeah it's, it's one of those the hairs in your arms go like that it's like you're tingling yeah she also did a very haunting rendition of another scottish camp um trash cans mattress okay she did a great cover of early's well, which is out there i've seen everything out but it's, yes I, i've heard her version and i think it's gutsy i think yeah. it's kind of brave to take ride's song and make yeah. it your own and but, i think that's a great tribute to her to the when, when she plays here in aberdeen it was my birthday and her um guitarist it was his birthday the day before and so she dedicated a song to me and it was another it was another Oxford band. She 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 covered videotape by Radiohead. Nice. And yeah. there's there's some um, videos of that same tour that I'm on about on YouTube, and it's just oh beautiful. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. All right, give us another song that you really uh admire. A ride one or a solo or either one. Right. So yeah. Right, okay. I've since I mentioned the um, Vapor Trail, I'm going to his most recent solo album, Flicker. And I think this is like the new updated version of Vapor Trail. And it's the track Something Like Love from that album there. Yes. It's beautiful. Absolutely. So what is it about that song that you that speaks to you? It actually makes me quite emotional. I've had a few tears in my eye, but it's tears of joy. And yeah, yeah, it's it's just really lovely. And that's again, it's another one of those euphoria, arms in the air, and then it gives you a hug, and you're in that bubble. You know, it's but as I said, you cry and. Yeah, tears of joy. It's just yeah. That album is tremendous in the scope and the depth of it. So I'm I'm my second pick is actually it gets easier from the Flicker album. 
I mean, if you look how many tracks is on the album, you know what I mean. It's I I read somewhere, I read somewhere. I was I think it was on uh, online, and it's a perfect description of this album. It's Andy Bell's version of the Beatles White Album. Okay, I like that. Yeah, that's a great description. So the track it gets easier for yeah. me. That one of his most beautiful songs. There's, I love the electronic feel. I love his vocal melodies. Yeah. Literally, when that song, when I first heard it, um, I really enjoyed it. And then I was up in Berkeley, and I was walking around the beautiful campus of Berkeley, and that song came on in my ears, and I must have repeated it like 10 to 12 times. Okay. It's it's just one of those songs that really speaks to me. It resonates with such yeah. musical poetry. Yeah. And um but and this is this is a total compliment to him. There's something very simple about it. And I know it's not easy, right? We know yeah. that. But it's a great arrangement. All these little parts coming together. Yeah. And again, I'm gonna go back to that one-two punch it has that um just that very lush sound to it it's it's really nice that you've mentioned that track because a, a few months past you done an interview with um james chapman of maps so i play oh nice i play in my um well, i played a techno electronic set back in may i think it was or mark i can't remember and I will be playing it this Thursday when I'm supporting Glock, and it's the Maps remix of It Gets Easier. So, yeah, I'm going to be dropping that 10-inch in the set. I think you should. Um, and then to go back to that, that album and the way that person described it, maybe as the White album, Yeah, it is very expansive. And I feel like he just kind of went for it and, you know, you have some shorter tracks, you have some longer tracks, and I don't know. It's it definitely holds my attention quite easily. So yeah, yeah. Right. And the beauty of it is every, every track is completely different. Um I did message Andy once, I can't remember the name which what track it is, but it sounds like a a seventies um American cop show theme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he was like, Yeah, it does pretty much. But yeah, there's, there's there's so much genres in the album. Yeah. So yeah, he's his his palette is very diverse, and yeah. we get yeah. to be the lucky recipients of that. All right, do you have another track you want to share from from his first solo album, "The View from Halfway Down," which uh, Andy kindly signed when I was DJing with him down in the social in Soho last November. So the track's called Skywalker. Yeah. I love it. It's it's my favourite track by Andy's solo work. Um, I described it to him, and he he loved that I posted this on online on social medias. I described it as um, the Beatles' revolver meets Noi. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Um, so I, t I I termed it as Kraut Gaze. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he. Uh, I'm 
That's a great pick. And uh, I'm going to go with uh, my next choice being from that album. And that is, uh, I don't know. Let's see if I can hear. Heat Haze on Wayland Road. Yeah. Um, I mean, that whole album I love. There was a seven, eight tracks on that album, I think. One, two, three, four, five, eight. Okay. Yeah. So there's this like dipping feel that's kind of like this north and south um, sound to it. It's got, you know, the beautiful psych feel. Yeah. Uh, it just, it's a very special song. And I'm not sure Waylon wrote what he's alluding to there, where that might be. Uh-huh. Um, another thing about Andy's music, particularly his solo work, is that there are little fine bits of information that we're hearing, but you yeah. don't hear it immediately, right? And you kind of have to listen to it again and again, these little textures that he adds. Yeah. He, he, he's quite clever that way. So I'm going Heat Haze on Waylon Road. Beautiful and track. That track, to me, I think is it's got elements of his Glock work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gem worked in that album a lot. Pretty, um, well, he played bass uh, with Oasis and BDI, so he got really friendly with Gem, who was in another Creation Records band, he Heavy Stereo. So, he yeah, he'd done quite a bit of work in that first solo album, I believe. It's pretty impressive, his resume of work, right? And he gets to take all those experiences and collectively pool them all together. Yeah. And then whatever he's going to be creating for his next album, again, we're the lucky recipients of that. Yeah. Um, I have a, a Glock tune here, but if you want to share another one, go ahead. Um, Glock one I pick is from... His most recent album, second Glock album, um, Pattern Recognition. So the track has got his wife doing just like talking, really, not singing as such. Um, it's called That um, that Time of Night. Mm -hmm. So why do you like that one? It's just got a good groove to it. I and mean, I've mixed it in with some techno stuff and I've DJed and I, I love the way that his wife does the, the talking through it. I, I quite like um, some tracks. It's got like sort of spoken word. Um, but it's got a kind of a... It does have like acid house vibe to it. Um, it's, well, I mean, the whole Glock thing is quite... Acid House, Kraut Rock, Psychedelic, Little Bits of Shoegaze, um, all his favourite genres, all his passions in music. Yes. yes. It's, really, it's really clever. Yeah. So I have a feeling the average music listener would have a hard time because the album is it's quite long. It's over now, easily, right? Yeah. But that's what I love. Well, there's That's, some tracks in the the Glock album. So there's some tracks in the Glock albums which are like over 19 minutes long. I know, and I love that he's just like 
screw it. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And you yeah, know, it's it's a bit like improvisation. You know, he's like jamming away and he's just bringing this bits in. And like, well, that's what he'd done when the world kind of opened up again. He was doing these live shows from a coffee shop in London as his Andy Bell space station. So he was dropping in some of his soul. He was no singing, just he was dropping in some of the guitar work from Skywalker and like the electronic beats and vibes from the Glock work. So yeah, just improvisation. You know? It's really cool. <laughs> a lot of synth work, a lot of loops. Um, my track, one of my blue ribbon tracks from Pattern Recognition, I put down is Kintsugi. Is that how you pronounce it? Um, track uh, number seven. Kintsugi, yeah. Yeah, it's one of the shorter tracks. Yeah. I think man, really in three and a half minutes, it really condenses it all in this beautiful, warm sound. And that warm sound is kind of um, equates to his vocal work. Yeah. When he does his fabulous singing yeah there is some there's a beautiful blanket of warmth to it yeah that i feel like maybe people don't talk about enough about i'm not sure um but yeah that pattern recognition to me is just you sit down and you just kind of close your eyes and get lost in all of the um kaleidoscopic sounds yeah it's a great one yeah uh any others you want to share? Hey, how many tracks is that I've picked? Two Glock, two solo. No, one Glock, two solo, one ride. Yeah, there's um, the last ride album. This is not a safe place. I was lucky enough. It was the second time when the ride reformed and um, they played this venue called the Lemon Tree and it was my second time doing an after show party for them and I was fortunate enough to see them perform this track live and it's, again it's Andy singing and he swears in it <laughs> I like a swear word myself being Scottish but uh, yeah it's a track 15, 15 minutes from the last, the last ride album and it takes off, you know. It's yes. like oof, the guitar work. There's um, I don't know if I'm saying well. Maybe I've touched a like kind of like Sonic Youth, yeah, because it's really fuzzy, fuzzy in your face guitars. Um, but yeah, uh, that track is really cool. <laughs> I'm glad you picked that album, and um, there's a track on that album that I think is literally one of the most beautiful songs they've ever written let me guess future love nope <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> um and it's repetitive in its um title but they i think they actually did a video for it very simple video it's clouds of saint marie okay yeah there is something that hits the, the, the jugular on that one for me, and it takes that very cathedral ascending sound to it. Yeah. It's just so, so beautiful and melodic and gorgeous. 
Um, never seen them play that live. I don't know if they do play that one, but if they do, that's definitely an eye closer and just kind of lose yourself in that experience. Yeah. Which I want to talk to you quickly about um, their live shows. Yeah. Uh, so behind me is a poster. This is when they came to San Francisco last year for the ride in Charlatans. Okay. And they're coming back again. They are. Look at you. What's the deal over here? They're coming back in January, and um, man, the cohesiveness on that stage when Rye came out. And there is just such a celebratory feel inside the Fillmore venue in San Francisco. And when the, the life went down, I mean, for an hour, maybe they played for an hour and 20 minutes. Uh-huh. Just so solid. You could just tell that all that experience that they've been on stage together yeah. was, was manifesting itself beautifully. So I love their shows because you get lost inside all of that sound. But the sound to me, even when they do their big, big numbers, the big squalls, the big, uh, you know, foot pedal sounds, it never, it never irritates me. Yeah. So uh, can you share with us just kind of, again, that ride um, experience for you in that show? And I've seen them live. Oof. Well, I, I know, I know for a fact, I mean, I, I, I can't, there was an interview with them when they reformed. And then the interviewer uh, said, what's it like now compared to like back in the early 90s? And I can't remember if it was Andy or Mark that replied. We said, we can hear each other now on stage. <laughs> Be- better equipment. You know, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that does show. Okay, it's not, it's, it doesn't like polish it. it. It's, there's still that rawness there because when they, they're in charge of the, their effects pedals and the guitars that they use, so they still have that edge. Um, mm. But there's just a, I would say, they're tighter because they're maturer, they're older. Um, yeah, it's more emotion, I think. Yeah. You, you, you captured it beautifully there. And when Andy... Um, was on stage, you could just tell that there was a sense of wizardry going on with the way that he was working the guitar. And, yeah. Um, and you had mentioned it earlier with the way they harmonized together. Yeah. Andy and Mark singing together is just beautiful. And all the ahs is just, yeah. It all yeah. comes together. So. Just, the, their voices work really, really well. So we've explored... Glock, we've explored some ride. Um, and people forget that his stint with Oasis and, you know, BDI and all that stuff. Uh, it kind of just shows, again, the scope of his work. Yeah. And when I first met on he was, what, 1997, and they played Aberdeen twice. And Hurricane number one. Mm-hmm. So that's a promo 
I've got two copies of um, Step Into My World, which Andy doesn't sing on. It's uh, a Scottish guy called Alex Lowe. Uh, they released two albums, I think, because I saw them twice in Aberdeen. Uh, that first time I met him, uh, I was invited backstage, and it was just a table full of free alcohol. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> Me and Andy were getting on. Um, so I stayed there for a few hours. And then I think it was a few months afterwards, they were playing in a bigger venue in Aberdeen called the Music Hall. They were supporting, and I can't remember who they were supporting, but Andy came out from backstage with this big white fur jacket on, like a polar bear. <laughs> it's quite funny, polar bear, you know, being on this album. And I thought he was, he was a bit, he's had a few drinks, you know, he was a bit, oh, and he remembered me. He was like, Yogi, the cat staggered over to me. And I'm like, ah, Andy Bell's just remembered me. He's like, what's going on? <laughs> and yeah. Um, so that was 1997. Wow. Yeah. yeah, we're we're so fortunate to continue to get work from him, uh, whether it be solo outfits or from Ride. Um, so yeah, I, I did, I'm glad that I had the opportunity to uh, meet you and obviously speak to you about an artist that we both greatly admire. Any closing thoughts, opinions, feelings? on our tribute to Andy. Um, well, I know that Ryan's got a, another album done. They're just waiting on the record label to see a release date. Um, <laughs> yeah, so this Thursday, I'm going to support for Glocks. I'm DJing with Andy, so I'm really looking for We were messaging last night. I was uh, sharing some records I'll be playing and he, he said in a message, uh, I'll be on the dance floor <laughs> when, uh -huh. I'm playing, when I'm playing certain tracks. And it's, it's quite funny because last November, when I had my first experience DJing in London, and it was the second day, the 18th birthday party for Sonic Cathedral Records, I was headlining, I was DJing after Andy in the social in Soho. And what Andy was playing was a couple of records that I'll be playing this Thursday. So I thought, yes. I'll play them because you'll love that. You know, it's, yeah. it's obviously Absolutely. tunes that he likes. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, that is, is quite a big thing for me this, this coming Thursday because it's in my hometown. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And can you, can you remind people uh, what time you might be on? I think 7.30. Okay. Uh, and I think Glock will be on about 9 p.m., I think. Okay. So, yeah, that's this this coming Thursday. Mr. Shoegazer, DJ Yogi, this has been a great pleasure. Thank you for um, shining the spotlight on Andy Bell with me. Thank you for asking me. It's been yeah, fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, my name is W, host of the High Art on the Edge page. Thank you again for tuning in. Thank you, Andy Bell, for all of your creativity, and we will see you soon. Take care, everyone. Ciao.
What an amazing tribute that was. Wow. I can't believe we covered all that ground with Andy Bell's work. Um, hey, we have some special guests here. Look at this who have joined us. We have the band Missal, also known as Al Johnson and Oz Shimshek, if I got that correct. Mm -hmm. Um Thank you for joining us in this conversation regarding this tribute to uh, this amazing craftsmanship of a musician. Uh, I want to get started with a few questions. And if you have any stories to share, that would be great. Um, let's start with this question in terms of um, how did your relationship and when did your relationship form with Andy? Sure. Um, yeah. So it's it's been a little while, about um, coming years. up to two and a half. Yeah. We've lost count because of COVID and everything. But um, so um, we sometimes play at a lovely little venue called Hot Box in Chelmsford, and um, it was the what was the weekend called? It was called that Small Venue Week, where oh. they put a big artist in a small venue. So um, basically, uh, the venue contacted us and out of the blue, and said that. Um, Andy Bell had been given the options of lots of local artists, obviously to support him, and um, he picked us. So would we like to come and support him that evening? And obviously Al and I were yeah, really pleased and yeah, over the moon about it. And, um, and that's kind of how it all began. So it was from that evening, from that very first um, gig that we supported him at. That's how we met him. Yeah. Also, that, right from the very beginning, he, he was really engaged in uh, what we were doing, wasn't he? Yeah. And interested and wanted to know how we were working sort of technically and with the harp and everything. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, obvious from the start that we were all going to get along. Yeah. What an amazing experience. What I want to also know is how familiar and how did you know Andy's work prior to your relationship? Well, um, I'm pretty much the same age as Andy and I was uh, in quite a lot of sort of noisy bands when I was young and we were on a, a sort of similar circuit in the late 80s and early 90s playing around Camden and all those little venues so um, I, I, I bought the uh, the first uh, the first EP the day it came out I as I recall so yeah I've been there right from the beginning really so yeah. yeah. I don't think we ever played with them back then, but we I played with a lot of their creation bands, played with House of Love and Boo Radleys and people like that. So, wow. yeah, mm. I, somehow I managed to skip her ride. But there you go. And what about you, Oz? So um, my story is a little bit different. Um, I'm actually originally from Turkey. And um, back in the day, we had a very little influence from the UK. So we had a, a when I was growing up, you know, in the... Uh, 90s and early 2000s it was a lot of um, US influence and very little UK influence so my introduction to ride was much later actually when I came to the UK after 2005-06 you know meeting friends who loved ride and got into their music then so yeah a much later introduction to shoegaze as well yeah yeah and when I speak with many artists they particularly in the shoegaze dream pop genre ride always comes up in terms of influences or first memorable concerts what have you so yeah it's it's, it's pretty amazing that legacy um how did Masal and how did you 
unite forces. So you met, he was impressed with your music. What was the next step? Mm. So um, it all happened really from that night. So yeah. um, that evening. It was a done deal, wasn't it? it <laughs> on the night. So yeah. We, we basically, so we supported Andy. And at the end, I think um, even before, while we were sound checking, Andy um, came up and had to go on the harp. And we had a lovely chat about instruments. Obviously, I'm really interested in what he does. You know, it's, it's the guitar. It's not my instrument, but, you know, the pedals that he uses and all the effects that he uses. So was that, there was that... Um, uh, initial connection anyway and then from there I think at the end um, after he played you know we obviously wanted to say um, congratulate him for the evening and just had a chat with him and at that point he said let's keep in touch and let's do something so we did yeah. so it was um, you know we got in touch with him after and it was a very organic slow process of just um, sharing lots of music that we loved over um, WhatsApp, our little group. Because it was into the second lockdown, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, things were still not quite right out there, you know, and obviously venues were opening up, but we weren't quite freely, you know, out and about as such. Um, so, yeah, sharing lots of music, looking at influences, realising that we had lots of similar um, interests in sound and where we, we would love something to go if we were to produce something together. Um, and that's how it all started. So we, we swapped recordings. That was the next step. So we actually were jamming. Al and I were here in our studio and um, Andy was in his. So we just swapped lots of different um, recordings and, and um, brought it all together. And Al actually did a lot of editing and a lot of looking into what we already had. It so was very long. It was very, very, yeah. I, I mean, one of the tracks, hours, right? yeah, hours, something yeah. like that. Yeah, we sat there and uh, between Oz and myself, we sort of took it and tried to give it some structure and um, a bit more flow. You know, there were bits where like, either one of us would be noodling and then there'd just be a section where it all sort of like locked in. And so, yeah, we tried to, without sort of killing it, we didn't, I didn't cut it all up into loops or anything, but just take the sections and, uh, you know, because, all the tracks are very long and so the idea is that you don't get bored listening to them that they do sort of change even if it's quite subtly throughout throughout the piece so. and they were improvised pieces so yeah. we, we improvised and then sent the work to andy so we did two two pieces both ways yeah. we we create we started to send them over to him he started to send them to us to work on so that's kind of how yeah. it was a collaborative work in so from way. so from start to finish how long did that take that yeah. it was just under a year i think mm. can't can't exactly but yeah yeah no it we were... was just under a year i think it wasn't sort of constant was it there was sort of like flurries of activity mm. then andy would be off being andy doing rides in japan or wherever he is and then it you know mm. but it, it, i think it worked for everyone really i mean the, i think the album it doesn't sound like wishy-washy and uh it was, it was great fun to do and a, a sort of slightly different discipline to when it's just Oz and uh, myself. So mm. yeah, it was cool. When I love, and I, I just noticed this while doing my homework, the, the song titles are very stretched out and long, um, like the track. So what I want to know is, um, as my conversation with Yogi is we were trying to get underneath the skin of his work, how does Andy's, 
craftsmanship or his impeccable attention to detail really come out in your workings with him? I think that that was, uh, obviously we weren't in the same room when we were doing the albums, but right. I'll circle right. back to the, the titles first. They're, they're all a tribute to um, the felt tracks that had very long titles. And, and Andy um, came up with those and we, we sort of edited mm -hmm. a couple a little bit, but they were really his idea. But um, okay. I, I think when you're talking about working with Andy, when we played live with him, that that was when you we it, it felt more like a band and there yeah. was more of a sense of the three of us being together. And yeah. um, I'd say the one thing he that, that he did, uh, we jammed with people all the time because we're, we're quite improvisational, aren't we, in the way we put stuff together was he, you know, he, he really gave everyone space as, mm. as we always try to and uh, even though we came together on the night it felt like it just felt right didn't it yeah you know it's a little bit five minutes of nerves when we were all just like well how's this gonna go because we've never played together before no we, had, anyway. we hadn't even rehearsed so um to just go in in front of like 200 people and then just start playing and see where it went it, it was quite nerve-wracking, but I think once we, we sort of locked into the groove, um, it went really well. And I think uh, you can see that particularly in the single, the Halo Galo that's just been released. But, um, you know, that was just like, let's do Halo Galo. And there it is. And, it you know, you would have thought we'd rehearse that a hundred times, wouldn't you? So, uh, mm. yeah, I, I think that was really where I got more of a sense of what it was like working with Andy mm. myself. Mm. What an experience! What an experience! That yeah, that was. It was a. It was a, a. It was a very, very special night. Yeah, it was a cracking night, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. Hope we do again. When I have seen him play live with Ride, and he's standing up there in this really commanding presence, but not overbearing, and he's yeah. doing his thing. I mean, it's, it's, it, to me, and I'm not a musician. Everything looks kind of effortless, and of course, I know it's mm. not. But his the the melodies and the hooks and the fine tuning seem to present themselves in such a glorious way for our ears. Would you say that's true? Yeah, I mean, there's that effortlessness because he is a professional. I mean, I think that comes, you know, with years, obviously, of performing, and that did come through when we were together oh, as yeah. well. There is that, you know, yeah, that yeah. you know, th that is true for sure. It comes so. And that actually transitions and transitions well into my next question. What makes Andy the consummate artist? <laughs> That's a difficult one. That is a difficult question. I, I think that um, he's definitely got an, an ear for a hook. But like Oz says, um, that it's, it's... He's genuine. Yeah, he is genuine. He's genuine there, there's no himself. artifice at all. And, um, yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're nowhere near as well known as Ride or Andy in any of his guises, but he always made us feel like... And that, mm. that was the one thing I took away from it, that he he was just a really very nice. <laughs> I, have, I have actually got that last story to share, William, with you. Um, it was from the very beginning of when we walked in, and I think this sums it up for me for um, about his kind of... Uh, the, my first initial feeling of, this is a nice person. And then obviously his music is that I did amazing later. But um, we walked into the venue. I was carrying the harp, you know, as everything was quite heavy. We walked in. He was there sitting at the bar, welcomed us. 
hello, hello, and then kind of been walked into obviously the the uh, the stage area, and there was a lot mm-hmm. of stuff to put onto the stage, and you know he was settling himself, getting stuff ready. There was a moment when Al was on the stage, his back was um, towards us. I think he needed something. Anyway, he looked around, and uh, our partners were there as well, and he just kind of signalled to um, his wife Sue, "Can can you please give me something? You know this bag." And Sue was actually busy and didn't hear him. It was just a natural moment of, you know, didn't hear him. And Andy heard him. And Andy actually went and got Al's bag, brought everything <laughs> to the stage for him, handed it over. At that moment, I went, this is a really cool dude, you know. Yeah. He's very in tune. He's in the room. He's really with us, paying attention to what's happening that evening. And I think, you know, yeah, that, that for me, that moment summed it up. And I went, I like this guy. Yeah. But, relate, <laughs> but relating that back to music as well, it's if you're not in the room with the other people and you're just there thinking that, you know, about what you're doing, like in any band situation, it's different when you're solo because you can do what you want, but you, you have to be there and, and, and like listening to what other people are doing and, and creating the space and then mm. filling the space when it's left by the others, you know, and uh, mm. yeah. He is effortless. He can definitely play the guitar. Absolutely. <laughs> you can say that. <laughs> Are there any other, as we wrap this up, um, and thank you again for your uh, invaluable time here. Are there any other stories or anything else you'd like to share regarding your experience while whilst working with him? I think it's it's still forming. Hopefully, you know, we will. Yeah, there's talk of another one next year, isn't there? So. Potentially. Um, collaborating yeah um you know we yeah nothing to add right that right this moment but um hopefully next time we might yeah when you do part two <laughs> we'll have more stories so uh i think uh, the the talk was to actually go into a studio and do the next album as well wasn't it rather than doing it you know because of the the covid restrictions at the time rather than doing it remotely to uh, uh maybe go to mark's studio and do it so that would be a uh, great yeah. fun that would actually bring a different layer as well yeah. because obviously um when you're in the same room there's lots of um different ways of collaborating yeah and, and listening to yourself in that moment and, and creating from scratch so yeah that would be the second step a different process because we've got a, a recording of the album that we played at the at the live thing and i would say that there's bits of that that uh, maybe even transcend the studio one i agree yeah, yeah. you know actually okay. being there and reacting to each other while we're playing it yeah you know uh, particularly after the uh, sort of first half of the first song when we all relaxed into it, mm. it yeah there were some really great moments so mm. so Need- what's next for Masal? do you have up any shows coming up any new work oh, yeah, we 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 um, don't stop um, performing. So we have got um, a couple more shows in October um, and November. But really, the focus now is on our second album that will be coming out in March. Um, yeah. So we hope to be uh, releasing the first single in January. So watch this space. We have we have a What's lot. What's the album called, Oz? <gasps> the Galloping Cat. Mm. So watch this space for the Galloping Cat. Yes. And new um, tracks brand new tracks um yep yeah, and a lot of work is going into it right now so. yeah that's where we're focused that is fantastic and i know you mentioned you are touring can you give us some dates or some locations 
we're in uh, we're playing South End on the twelfth, mm -hmm. and then we are in Nottingham on the nineteenth. Yep. And then we're in Colchester on the first of December. And we really should have a list of them, shouldn't we? <laughs> we should but... have had it in front of us. And then yeah. on the 16th, we're 16th of December, we're in Colchester again. And we're back we... in Colchester. And um, we're just sorting out a, a new London date, hopefully before the end of the year as well. So, uh, yes. And Thank then you. what? what's that I hear? You're coming over to the United States, over to well, the Bay Area? Well, it would be nice, wouldn't it? But uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, the trouble that I, I think all smaller acts have these days is actually stitching a run of dates together. We get plenty of gigs, but it's quite hard to say get five in a row in one place or something like that. We do a lot of travelling and coming back the same night and then getting up and doing our boring day jobs and all that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> which is, you know, which is the life, isn't it? But, yeah. Oh, man. Well, Al and Oz, thank you so much for providing some insight and a lens into that experience whilst working with Andy. Um, super appreciative of your time. Much continued success as you continue on your path and looking forward to um, this new album that will be released next yep. year in March. We'll, we'll send it over to you when, it, when, it, when the press is ready. Fabulous. And I, I got I got to get over to the UK. I have to get over there. There's so many bands I want to see. Oh, so. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, we will talk soon. Take care. Thanks Brilliant. Thanks time. very much. Cheers. Take care. Bye.